0: Watching online please check in or leave a comment, let us know you're there. Share the videos so your friends can know that we're here. We're here for them. Unfold. He's never failed never failed. never failed me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I take courage, Lord, in you. Hallelujah. You are my strength. You are my shield. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms, the riches of your love will always be enough, nothing compares. Nothing compares to your embrace. Light up the world forever. Your arms, the riches of your love. Hallelujah! You are life. You are peace. You are hope. You are joy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, and I run to you, Lord, as my refuge, as my sanctuary. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.
1: God. He's an awesome God, isn't he? He is worthy of all worship. He's worthy of all praise. He truly can do anything. And he desires to do exactly that in our midst this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are awesome. You are wondrous. You are altogether glorious in this and in every place. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are a mighty God, a mighty King, mighty to save. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence in this place today. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have in store. Hallelujah, Jesus. What a great God we serve. He is glorious. And he is wondrous. Praise God. Thank you, all of you, for being here this morning. Uh, you can be seated for just a moment. I have uh, one point of clarification to make. Uh, we talked about Easter Sunday. Uh, there is only going to be one service on Easter Sunday. That will be at, uh, We'll have 10 o'clock prayer, and then service will start at 10:30. That's when the Sunday school will start as well as 10:30. So uh, if you guys have any other questions, that was an excellent one. <laughs> uh, please let me know. We'll get it answered. Amen. So. Uh, thank God for my wife I am so thankful for her that she's up here leading us in worship truly, truly I am uh, because not only can she sing well uh, and I can't she just does a really good job amen amen thank you Kyla I appreciate your, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Amen. Numbers chapter 14, verses seven through nine. That's where we'll take our scripture text today. This is a passage of scripture that was, uh, it was read during district conference. kind of jumped out at me. Numbers chapter 14, verses 7 through 9, states this, And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. For their defense is parted from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. I'm going to preach for a few minutes this morning on this topic. Obedience when it's impossible. Obedience when it's impossible. Let's ask the Lord to bless the remainder of our service. Bless His Word and each person visiting us, being with us this morning. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. I am so thankful for you and for all that you have yet in store. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done thus far. The ministration of your spirit here is powerful, it's potent, and it's life-changing. Help us, Lord Jesus, to give ourselves to you and to the direction you're wanting to go for this service. Help us to follow after you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that your name would be glorified through each of us through the remainder of this service. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated. In 1999, John F. Kennedy, Jr. flew his small airplane from New York City to his family home in Massachusetts for a wedding. On board were his wife, Carolyn, and her sister. Though Kennedy was a licensed pilot, he had not yet been approved for instrument flight, which is only using instruments and not looking outside. When their takeoff was delayed until after dark, Kennedy should have waited for daylight or sought a more experienced pilot to help. Yet, Kennedy took off into the darkness. As history tells us, the plane never reached its destination, and all three passengers were killed in the crash. Investigators determined that the crash was likely caused by disorientation from flying over open water at night without any landmarks or visible horizon. Kennedy's lack of experience may well have led him to trust what he thought was he was seeing more than what his instrument panel was telling him. And that's a problem. That's a problem for us as well. We see in God's word that things are a certain way. That we ought to go a certain way. That we ought to do certain things. And yet, our trust is not in our instrument, but rather in our sight. We would rather go by what we know, what we see to be true. And that often gets us in trouble. In Matthew chapter 14, we see an account of Peter Walking on the water. Starting with verse 22 of Matthew 14, it says this. Straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Now these multitudes he was sending away were about 5,000. And he had just miraculously fed them. That's what multitudes we're talking about here. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, the one with his disciples in it, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a Spirit. And they cried out in fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now at this point, again, we had just gotten away from the feeding of the 5,000. A a miracle, by any definition. A few loaves and fishes fed 5,000 people. And so... Coming right off of that, he sees Jesus walking on the water. And Peter, being Peter, he wants to go too. He wants out there as well. Jesus said, come on. And he starts doing it. He's doing it. He's walking on the water. He's moving toward Jesus. But it continues. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Even though he had just come away from a miracle. Even though he just saw God contradict the laws of nature. He did. He created matter where there was no matter before. That's against the laws of physics. But he did it. And he's just coming away from that. He saw that. He was a part of it. He sat him down in companies. He distributed the food that would never run out. It just keeps getting more and more. The more he gave, it's kind of like giving. (laughs) Anyway, um, so he just came from that. And he sees Jesus walking on the water. Man, this is going to keep going. Is this going to be one non-stop thing here? So he wants in. He jumps in. He starts moving forward. But as soon as he did, as the story goes, he got his eyes off of God and onto the situation. And then he knew that this was impossible. And I can't do this. And he began to sink. As soon as he got his eyes off of Jesus and started looking at the situation, it was a real situation. Okay? We can't be too hard on Peter here. He was right in the middle of this gale force storm. What would you have done? What would I have done? This is a real storm going on. He's he's not imagining things. It was actually taking place, and it was all around him. So it's not like he's paranoid or or anything like that. He's he's walking on calm waters and lacked faith. He saw these gale-force winds around him. It was a real thing. And yet, the Lord Jesus kind of rebukes him a little bit. Well, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? There were two. There were two situations going on here, two scenarios: the natural and the spiritual. In the natural, we could see, we could we could feel it. We could feel the wind. We could feel the 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 water whipping across our face. We could see the waves coming up. On the other, we see Jesus just cool as a cucumber. Not affected at all by this thing. Bidding us come. We have a choice to make. Do we go with what we know to be true? Or do we go with what Jesus just told me to do? Because as soon as he got focused on what he knew, it was impossible again. When he jumped out into the boat, anything was possible. Jesus has fed the 5,000. He's walking on the water. I'm out there too. I'm walking on the water. Anything can happen. But then all of a sudden he knew something different. He knew this isn't possible. I can't be doing this. I don't have the ability to walk on water. Certainly not in this thing. And he lost faith. Or he put his faith somewhere else, actually. He took his faith off of God and put it in himself. And what he thought he knew. We are of the same spiritual constitution, aren't we? God asks us to do something. We let him know how completely unqualified we are to do that. Now, to be fair, there are probably, almost certainly, more qualified people to ask. There were certainly more qualified people to ask to be your pastor. There are more qualified people than you and I. Let's be honest. But that's kind of irrelevant, isn't it? Because it's God that qualifies. God made the tongue. God made the eye. He made the ear. To say it a different way, the saying that has become kind of a truism, God does not always call the qualified, but he does always qualify the call. God tells us to go somewhere, and we give him all the reasons why that can't possibly happen. I don't have the money to do that. I got bills to pay. I got responsibilities here. I got a family that I got to bring. When God calls us somewhere, whether it's next door or down to Africa, he is going to open every door provide every resource we need, and remove every obstacle in our way to make that happen. And you will probably have nothing to do with it. I hope that doesn't offend you. You'll you'll probably have nothing to do with it. You're just going to sit back and watch things happen. Zechariah 4.6 says this, He answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. It will be because God wills it. We do our best to to follow after him, to stay caught up with him, but he's moving. And it's all we can do just to, to, to keep up. And that's all we can do. We read in the word of God, we gotta do this, we do this. God tells us to do that, we, we do this. And so, we're doing what we're supposed to do, to the best of our ability. We're, we're following the commandments of the Lord. We're submitted to to authority. We're, we're in prayer, and we're fasting, and, and we're, our church attendance is good. We're doing everything we know to do. Everything God has told us to do, we're doing that. After that, it's up to God. After that, that's when God comes in and makes up the lack. And sometimes, if we're all honest with ourselves, there's a lot of lack to make up. But he's more than sufficient. He's more than able. Our scripture text. We're going to back up from that just a little bit to Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, to start with. This is where the, the account kind of begins. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Goes on to list who was sent. Uh, so, at the commandment of the Lord, Moses sent the twelve spies into the promised land. That's what God said to do. Moses, being Moses, did what he was commanded. That's a nice, easy spot to be. That I can do, Brother Parker. I can do what I'm told. You tell me to do something? Hmm, yeah, I'll do that. That's, that's, that works for me. So that's what Moses did. What he was told to do. All of them were leaders and heads of the children of Israel. Men who were trusted with authority, men who were respected and trusted uh, to to give their opinion, their account of something. The tribes of Israel trusted these men. They were to give specific. They were given specific instructions as to what they were to say. Are the people strong or weak? Are the people few or many? Is the land a good land or a bad land? Do they dwell in tents or in strongholds? Is the land fat or lean? Is there wood? And they were given instructions to bring the fruit of the land back. So they went up into Canaan. They spied out the land. They did what they were supposed to do. And they returned with their report. They brought back some grapes, some pomegranates, and some figs. A big and helping of them. In Numbers chapter 13, starting with verse 27, we pick the account up. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Plop down that big old honking thing of grapes, pomegranates, and figs. Nevertheless, The people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. They were in the same exact spot as Peter was. Ever since Moses came to them in Egypt... They'd been hearing this about this promised land. Promised land, promised land, promised land. That's all they've been hearing about. We're heading to the promised land. We're gonna go get the promised land. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's, it's great. God's gonna drive them out. God's giving that to us. That's our possession. That's our inheritance. That's what God is giving us. And now we're finally there. We're finally there and all these promises are about to come true. But instead of focusing on the promise, they saw the inhabitants of the land. They saw the walled cities. And they knew. And they were right. Of themselves, they couldn't do it. That was true. They weren't wrong. If God wasn't with them, there's no way they could. But God was with them. God had given them the promise. This is your land. Go take it. But instead of focusing on God and focusing on all the signs and miracles that they'd seen from, from day one in Egypt till this present moment, they focused on the inhabitants of the land, what they knew. They focused on the natural, what they could see, what they could, what they could discern, what they could figure out for themselves and what they figured out was this is impossible we can't possibly take the land and so they did their duty they told Israel we can't do it we don't have the numbers we don't have the necessary skills we don't have the equipment we don't have the money we don't have the time We don't have the talents. They were so focused on what they didn't have and what they couldn't do, focused on the impossible situation in front of them, that they forgot God. They forgot God's promise. They forgot the Word of God unto them that said it's already given to you. That's the one thing they actually did have, is God's promise. Numbers 13 and 30 says this. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let's go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. We can do this because God is with us. The two people were so focused on that promise, they couldn't see the natural situation. Caleb and Joshua, that's all they could see. Is victory, blessing, promise. God's given it to us. Let's go take it. It's here right now. Let's go take it. They couldn't see the natural situation that was completely stacked against them. They did their level best to divert the attention from the natural to the supernatural. From the impossible situation they were facing to the unlimited supply of And promise of Jesus Christ. He's got an infinite supply of power. An infinite supply of grace. Whatever he wants to do through you, He's he is absolutely going to do it. Sometimes despite ourselves. And he'll do it for no other reason but because... That's what I need done. And I'm choosing to use you to accomplish it. What an awesome thing that is. God is going to do something regardless, but He has decided to include us as a part of that. He's going to use us to do that. What a miracle. What a miracle that is. They saw the miracles and the great signs and wonders that were done in Egypt and all along the way to this place. And they just believed that that would continue as long as God continued to delight in them. That's just gonna, that's just gonna keep happening as long as we're obedient. As long as we do what what he tells us to do, he's gonna keep blessing. He's gonna keep providing. He's gonna keep giving us victory. It's when we disregard the commandment of the Lord in favor of what we know. The thing that we can comfortably do. The thing that doesn't really scare us or intimidate us that much. Yeah, okay, that I can do. But you won't need God for that. I can go hang a piece of drywall... I mean, he gives me strength, and he, he's given me knowledge and, and all of that. I acknowledge that, but I don't need a miracle to hang a piece of drywall. I can just go do that anytime I want. Now, if I were to sit down at the piano and, and play a Mozart concerto, if I did that, that would be God. 100%. Now there are people that can do that of their own natural talent. God's given them the talent, the desire to excel, all of that. But the difference is, they can do that. If God tells them to go play that, they're not going to be intimidated by that. They go, yeah, yeah, okay, no problem. If God tells me to do that. I'll do my best. I don't even know what that is. (laughs) But God wants to use us like that in areas that will intimidate us, in areas that will make us nervous. One guy said, this is talking about the faith promise. (laughs) He said, if the number you wrote, if you're good with the number you wrote down, God had nothing to do with that number. The number God gives you is going to scare you a little bit. And that doesn't just apply to faith promise. That applies to anything God tells us. If God's in it, if God is really, really in it, He's going to tell you, He's going to tell us to do something that scares us. It makes us a little bit nervous. Because it's impossible. There's no way we can. But yes, with with him we absolutely can. We absolutely can. I recently heard a story about uh, uh, a man and his wife. Brother and Sister Bauman were telling us. He's a missionary to Boston. Thank you, sir. I went to Bible school with him. We're good friends. And uh, I was with him in Worthington for a long time. My wife was too. They all were. We all were. (laughs) Anyway, um, so we were hanging out a little bit there at the the conference, and he was telling us about uh, one guy that that he preached at, his his church. It was a very, very small church. It was him, his wife. He had an assistant pastor and a guy in a wheelchair who was literally unresponsive. That, That was it. Okay, you know, fair enough. So later on, you know, he preached and had the altar call, and uh they went out to eat afterward and uh Todd was telling me that this guy had received uh, I'm, I'll shorten it down he talks a lot, and he he can go an hour on something, so it's fun to listen to, but I can't do that so <laughs> anyway he uh. He was telling me that this, this pastor was, was telling him, yeah, a while ago, we, me and my wife received a call to Africa and we were like, I don't want to go to Africa. I can't do that. Okay, Lord, if you, if you pay the whole way there, uh, someone that I haven't told comes up and says, this is what you're called to do and, and, and pays the way there, I'll do it. Well, at camp meeting, the guest speaker right afterward came up to him and said, you're called to go to Africa, and I want to pay your way. So now what are you going to do? <laughs> well, they started, they started preparing. Okay, that's obviously what God wants. They started preparing. And in their research, the wife discovered that there's, there's not a lot of running water over there. The electricity is really hit and miss. I can't live in those conditions. So they never went. They never went. But he's bragging about this great job he has. Since the eighties he's he's made six figures. Instead of going to Africa, he started making six figures. And uh I mean he was really excited about that. Had a brand new truck, really nice maxed out truck, nice place to live, all of that, dressed nice. But he's doing nothing, and he's going nowhere, because they couldn't. It was so obvious they had the promise right there. They walked away. They walked away from it, all because they couldn't. In conclusion, story goes of a recently licensed pilot flying his private plane on a cloudy day. This guy also wasn't very experienced in instrument landing. When the control tower was to bring him in, he began to get panicky. And a stern voice came over the radio, said this, You just obey instructions. We'll take care of the obstructions. I think that's what God is telling us today. Don't worry about that stuff. Just follow after me. Follow after me. And I will lead you in places you can't possibly, can't possibly imagine. And it won't be because of me, and it won't be because of you. It will be because that's the plan of God. It's time. The preparation has been done. All of the years of preparation are done. The foundation is laid. Those faithful ministers, Brother Bell, Brother Parker, that took care of that, their labor is about to reap a harvest. Your labor is about to reap a harvest. That is the will of God. That is the commandment of the Lord for this church. As I understand it, I say that in the fear of God. Holy Ghost is my witness. These things that we have going on,